Hello one, hello all. We are here yet again. I'm pleased to bring you this intro as I have not done one in what seems like some time now. It has been over one week since I last got to record one of these and I can tell you with utmost certainty that I really enjoy doing this. When scanning through the vast forest of potential hobbies, I aim my sights on podcasting. And the warm, tingly feeling I get in my belly when I click record seems to be indicative that I made the right choice. There are lots I could have chosen from. A couple years ago, I picked up the drums and the same thing happened. I got obsessed. But to say I'm obsessed with this little underground show I'm attempting to produce may be an overstatement. I do get really excited to record, though. I know one thing is for certain. I've spent hours trying to figure out how to set all this up and get it all recorded on the internet and available, and I have enjoyed the process. Weird that the mind-numbing and stress-filled work aspect of this podcast has actually felt enjoyable to me. I'm thoroughly enjoying this experiment, so much so that I have invested a great deal of time, so much time into making this happen. Not to mention the massive piles of cash I have given up in exchange for unique pieces of audio equipment, like this radio interceptor device I bought off Craigslist recently. This baby can catch a radio call from 20 miles out on a clear night. I like to be an informed citizen. Listening to the calls made over various radio frequencies while drinking a glass of scotch on my front porch and cleaning my guns is an ideal way to spend the night. The other night, I powered up my interceptor, grabbed my shotgun, started cleaning it out as I listened as two friends connected for the first time on their new two-way radios. I feel truly blessed to have heard a conversation so filled with love and passion. Lucky for you, I recorded it. Before we get into my guest for today, I figured now is the ideal time to share it. So here you go. I just know girls love big muscles. I'm just... 
sometimes when I'm at home, I think, you know, you know, girls won't like me because I live in my parents' basement and because, you know, I don't have a cell phone. I, I, but I got these two-way radios with my best friend, so that's really good quality. You know, I know a girl will come, she'll come around. Yeah, dude, she's gonna come around. It doesn't, you know, you don't need, you don't need a, you don't need a, a, a cell phone to be cool, man. You just need friends and good people around you. You know, me and Nancy, we've been going strong for a while now, and you know, and you know, she, she even let me touch her boob today. And I know that that someday that's gonna happen for you. Dude, she let you touch her booby? Dude, she let me touch her poopy. No. Yes. No. Dude, she let me touch both her poopies with both my hands. I couldn't lie about this. It felt like the best thing ever. Dude, you've never touched a poopy, so you don't understand. It was like the craziest thing, man. Dude, I... One time touched my friend's fat boob. He he was fat, and it was just like he had boobs. And I touched those. And so I know what it's like, bro. It's, I know what it's like. I'm not sure you do, dude. It was like this, like, squishy thing. My, my uncle told me always that girls' boobs, they felt like bags of sand. He said they felt like bags of sand. Yeah. Totally, they feel just like bags of sand. No, they don't. They don't at all. That's why I'm telling you, I don't think you know what it's like to feel, it's like to feel a booby. You just, it's so squishy. It feels like, like, just like soupy meat. It's so good. I just, I think about it, and I want to touch Nancy's boobs forever, dude. I will always, just, all I care about is Nancy's boobs. Dude. Sounds kind of, to me, like, Nancy has weird boobs, and you're, like, obsessed. You need to be, you need to give it up. What do you mean? You've never even touched boobs. I'm just saying, dude, that, to me, it sounds like you would give up our friendship for Nancy's boobs. No, that's totally not true. I swear I wouldn't. I'm just saying that, like, Nancy's boobs are the best, and I'm happy to have touched them. And I, I really wish, I really wish that you would finally just be proud of me for something. I am proud of you. I just, I, sometimes I don't know how to say it. I'm just, I'm really, son, I'm very proud of you.
come true. So thank you, son. Thank you. I love you, son. I love you. I love you, Dad. You're the best. Mm. Is there anything more beautiful than a father and son connecting? I'm not sure there is. Anyway, today my guest is Bob Mannion. He is our first return guest, and I will take any doubt out of your mind and tell you right now, this is an interesting one. My guard was down, and we talked like we normally do without microphones in our faces. Bob is a fantastic young man with his eyes set on a bright future. He is currently pursuing his master's in geology from Wayne State University in Detroit and has a background in physics. He is truly a unique human, and I love getting to spend another hour with him laughing at bad jokes and talking about some of the difficult intricacies of human existence. Grab your podcast ears and put them on for my friend, Bob Mannion. We're talking now. Okay. It's happening. Oh, is it recording now? We're recording. Oh, man. Yep. This is, I feel uh, reminiscent of how we started our first one. Yeah, it was. Oh, we're recording now? Yeah, oh, oh, man. Oh, man. Well, it's you know, shocking. It's, it's kind of far away for me to, like, lean and push the button. You know, yeah. I push the button and the shit flies. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Where's the fan? It's got to hit a fan, right? Yeah. I mean, I think we're doing all right. Uh, how was your day? It was pretty good. Yeah? Yeah. It w- I got up and just did some work and... Then I went out to Lowell, and then I stopped in Lansing, and now I'm here. Man, you have to drive a lot for your work. Uh, not all that much. I mean, mostly just recently because I'm going to Lowell so much. Yeah. Which did you take your annoying. car, or did you? I took mine, and now it's at the shop. You know, my dad says something interesting today, because I was mentioning, like, a thing I want to get m- checked out on my car, and he's like, mm-hmm. he just goes, the longer you wait, the more expensive it gets. I'm like, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. So. Yep, that's a good point. I don't really know what the problem is with my car. And I thought it went away for a little bit, and then I kind of realized that it's not gone. It took me, whenever I have something wrong with my car, it takes me so long to, like, actually convince myself something is wrong. Because, you know, it's like, if, like, some weird sound, like, starts off very minutely, it's hard to, like, you you get get so used to it so quick, and I don't really know if it's even there. Yeah. Like, uh... Uh, it might be like a wheel bearing or something like that wrong with my car. And so my dad just said, like, if you hear like a grinding noise, and now every time when I'm driving, I'm just like, do I hear a fucking grinding noise? Or is that just how my car sounds? With car problems, the best, the only way you learn the sounds is by it happening to you. Yep. You know, like right now my car is making a sound that to me is reminiscent of when I needed to get a, uh, get new, a new strut put on the front end. Hmm. Okay. I don't really know. I mean, you c- it could be a ball joint. It could be a strut. It could be l- a leaf spring. What does it sound like? It's just this, uh, it sounds like something's just wobbly when you hit a bump, like a, uh, 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 oh. in the side. It, but it f- rides fine and feels fine. It just a uh, weird, like, sound. And the only time I've ever heard it was on my cruise when uh, hmm. I needed a uh, new uh, new strut, which is common, you know. That's just a that just happens with cars. <laughs> Parts just break sometimes. Yeah, I mean at least American cars. Yeah, getting struts put on is normal. I bet a lot of cars break. They do, but there's brands of cars that uh, that really do a good job not breaking, <laughs> like Japanese cars. 
German stuff's not as good as some people think it is. Really? Mostly as it pertains to German World War II equipment. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about like Mercedes not being reliable. They, they no, I mean Mercedes. I, I I don't really know. I never driven a Mercedes for a significant amount of time, and yeah. I haven't read a lot of like consumer reports re- regarding Mercedes. They're always good, except the tanks that they built. Okay, a lot of the tanks that they built just like uh, they weren't particularly good, especially as people think they were. You know, like everybody really? gets the hard dicks about German tanks in World War Two, and most of the time they just didn't work. Now I heard I've always heard the opposite that ta- German tanks were like really engineering masterpieces. They were definitely masterpieces, right? But that's what was bad about them because it's because so every long to build. yeah, it's like mm, here's our Tiger One, the pinnacle of all German engineering. It's all handcrafted. It's all made individually for this one vehicle. Yeah. It's got like three inches of armor plating or whatever it is all the way around and a gun the size of a telephone pole. But it is so intricate and it's so finely built that it can't handle being in a war zone. So they're you like, know? let's drive it. And they go through a mud puddle and then like, oops, the transmission broke. I guess we have to stop and fix it for four months. I was listening to Dan Carlin, uh, Supernova in the East Part 4 uh, today, and he pointed out, or he gave credit to the Americans and the uh, allied forces in general, I think, about for something that they rarely are given credit for, which is being able to take something that's broken and fix it, particularly on battleships. The they could, they knew, yeah, they could put out mm-hmm. the fires, whereas, you know, the Japanese were not nearly as good at doing that. Mm-hmm. They still, I, I watched a really long video. Um, comparing American and Japanese damage control teams in World War II. Yeah. And it's not that, like, Japanese damage control teams weren't as good. It's that they weren't, like, managed as well. Okay. Um, I forget what it was. Like, they were all, and also a lot of them died, too. So they, they lost all of their experienced uh, damage control people. And it's like what Dan Carlin said with the Japanese, their huge sixth fleet formation that they had was an entire weapon system mm-hmm. so when they lost like all of that then they also lost the institutional knowledge and went along with it with it so you lost all the specialized people on the aircraft carriers and knew how aircraft carriers worked yeah so when they lost all their carriers sure they could build new carriers but they're not gonna who's, have experience who's gonna, yeah who's gonna who's gonna drive them same thing happened with their damage control teams Damn. they lost a lot of their experienced damage control people well, and even and before yeah. that they like weren't being allocated like properly and they didn't have good um documentation and i don't think i think there was something like they weren't allowed to um there was something about the institutional culture that they had that like they weren't as likely to go and just help out like uh with a with a with a problem like they um like uh on a lot of american ships like weapons crews if they weren't being actively attacked and there was a problem they would go assist um but japanese crews didn't typically do that because they had the mentality like oh this is my position i'm manning this gun like there is a damage control team that will go deal with the fire you know i heard uh he also made the point, and this sounds like it, where uh, the Allied forces in comparison to the Axis forces were very organized and synchronistic with their movements, even within certain militaries. So he's saying, like, the American military, like, despite, you know, hotheads in both the Army and the Navy, they work together. Whereas in, in uh, like, Japan, they they would have like some generals defying the orders mm-hmm. and other gen- so they weren't nearly as organized and that really came to their detriment you know yeah there was he he talked about this one raid the united states the uh, doolittle raid the doolittle raid yes 
And after it, the reaction from the Japanese was to kill somewhere around 250,000 Chinese. Yep. That was more than all of America's casualties during the World War. In the Pacific Theater, I think. In the Pacific Theater, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> You 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 just pissed us off, so we're gonna go kill two hundred and fifty thousand yep. civilians. We're angry now because you landed on these people's country. Yeah, <laughs> so that's all it go, was. We're too. gonna go murder them. It was just a simple little like, just like a poke at their morale. Yep, that's all it really was. I mean, uh, oh god, holy shit! <laughs> For anybody wondering what just happened, it was catastrophic. Just happened. I just spilled my drink. Uh, it slipped through my hand because there's condensation on the outside of the glass. And I caught it, but in catching it, it sprayed all over. It got my pants wet and got a little part of the microphone wet. Oh, God. I don't want to get this microphone wet. Yeah, don't do that. That's not what I want. I mean, people spit on mics for a very long time. They do, but it doesn't really accumulate, I don't think. Some, some splashes is okay. Maybe. Just don't like submerge it. It's been christened. This microphone is now blessed by the screwball whiskey that fuels thousands of podcasts worldwide. <laughs> does that make you feel, how does that make you feel when y- to know that you are on a podcast that is alone in the middle of the sea with thousands of other podcasts swimming around you? I don't know, I feel like I'm just sitting here talking to you. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, but when, when this gets published, it goes into the ocean. Yep. And it's just this lone little fishy that... It's a drop in the bucket. Yep, it's a drop in the bucket. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that, yeah. you know? It's like, who... I like that. I really get off on the idea of, like, get off, but, like, <laughs> <laughs> that's us fucked up. I really get excited about the idea that it's just like, yeah, this is essentially meaningless other than it's fun. Yeah. Like, this is just a fun way to have a conversation. I, w- I wish I was born in, like, the era of extras. Mm-hmm. Like, because I've always wanted to be... Like movie extra? Yeah. Oh, God, don't do it again. <laughs> like, I've always wanted to be on, like, one of, like, those History Channel reproductions of, like, the Dark Ages. And it's, like, it was during the 1400s that plague struck England for the fourth time. And just be, like, uh, a body in, like, a mass grave. And I could just, like, I'll be, like, corpse number 47 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, just have the little, like. I have, like, an arm poking out under somebody, and I can just pause and go, me, that's me right there. Or if you're like a stormtrooper in one of the Star Wars movies, be like, yeah, it was like uh, six rows back and four columns over. And like that one right there, he's me. You still, you can do that. Yeah, but it's not as like prevalent. Who, who cares? It would be fun to go to a movie and it be still like, oh, look at that's yeah. the back of my head. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fun. But you that's know. the kind of thing I would like to be. You know, I want to be just like just a flash in the background. Well, it's funny, like it's 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 like your own symbolism, you know. It's like it doesn't mean anything to anybody else, but it's like mm-hmm. a symbolism for you. Yep. Just like, look at I made it into a big movie. Who cares if I was part of it? Like, <laughs> I, that's not what I'm going for. I just that's my head. <laughs> <laughs> you can see my me. head will always be in cinematic history, and nobody will pay attention to it. But it'll be there until so. they re-release it in 20 years, and they just cut that scene. But out. like, you know what? That guy's red hair. Mm, we should dye that. We should change the color of it. It contrasts too much with this scene. You know what? You know what? Let's just cut it out. Let's just cut the whole thing out. Yeah, just get rid of that head. I don't know whose head that is, but I don't want it in my film. Anyway. <laughs> I think uh, I think that it'd be fun to be an extra. You know, they had the opportunity to be an extra in the movie uh, Tropic, not Tropic Thunder. Um, 
What was the movie, the the Will Ferrell movie about the Flint Tropics? Uh, semi pro. Semi pro. Yeah, because they were they filmed in Detroit or not in Detroit. They filmed like in Flint for a couple weeks, mm-hmm. and uh, you could have been an extra in there. Damn. Yeah. Huh? Oh well. They film Lifetime movies every now and then up in Frankenmuth. <laughs> <laughs> you can go be. A, I know a girl. Oh my I know God. a girl that spent like five days as an extra in this movie and it's like she had to be on set for like 16 hours a day just to like be in the background it was, yep it was <laughs> cold and like rainy but she just she's she likes adventure so she's like you know i i got to see so much cool stuff i stood and looked at a camera that cost eighty thousand dollars like i mean but at the same time she's not getting paid and all these people you're what? around and fascinated by it like just because you're, you kind of have that tourist mentality where you're just like seeking it's like novelty wow, crazy yeah they're kind of fucking you a little bit <laughs> you're not paying you yeah. yeah that's a i wouldn't expect that lifetime could pay you oh lifetime i think makes a lot of money they're making they're they not making turn money. movies out for like 30 dollars a film <laughs> for the so they can sell advertising yeah. space on the lifetime dude, they channel use the to women that are like very close to being dead. Yeah. I mean not even, dude. I know I know so many young women in their twenties who especially around Christmas time, it does not go off of lifetime. And People whenever they're feeling, they're feeling sad, any type of any excuse to get Show in their me the emotion, red shoe movie. they just <laughs> yep, they just go into they they love it. Dude. Lifetime <laughs> just like it, it it's like it goes in and there's some emotional. There, there's some it's that like are em- about like women like hiring killers to murder their ex husbands. Well, it's yeah, it's like it, it's just emotional movies, movies to make you feel. Those that's those are chick flicks. Those are real chick that's flicks. That's they're mass produced and engineered chick flicks. Um, I <laughs> I think they just take love book like novels and turn them into short movies or Christmas songs and expand them into whole movies. Yes. I'm okay with it. <laughs> honestly, having a Lifetime movie on in the background, sometimes during Christmas time. I'd rather have anything else. You got some <laughs> Swedish meatballs and noodles cooking. It's 30 degrees outside and I'm just going to put Christification, just leave it on. That? 24-7. There's no arguing that that is one of the best Christmas movies of all time. It's so funny. It's so fucking <laughs> funny. It's like Airplane mix met. Um, what's his name? Chevy Chase. Mm-hmm. It's like Chevy Chase's version of like that style of humor. Just everything, it, like half the jokes in it are completely subtle jokes. Oh you yeah, know? just like behavioral. Like, I love jokes. Uh, Julia Marie Dreyfus in that movie. Who she kills does she me. Play? Uh, she plays Margot. <laughs> <laughs> Why is the carpet wet, Todd? I don't know, Margot. I don't know, Margot. <laughs> Oh my god! They that, kill it, me. I love them, dude. That couple, <laughs> the angry yuppies dude, next they door, fall down the stairs and like, <laughs> yeah. my carpet. Her husband just rolled down the stairs in glass. Yeah, and he's and just she's, there, and she's oh my carpet. Yeah, he might be it. dead. Oh, the scene where uh, where he, he they get the tree back, they open up the the garage door, and it's like the Jason scene, like dun dun dun. They pan <laughs> over to the, the neighbors, and he goes, "Hey, Griswold." Where are you going to put a tree that big? Like, <laughs> Bend over and I'll show you. Bend over and I'll show you. <laughs> he, he goes, you know, you got a lot of nerve talking to me like that. And then Clark just goes, 
I wasn't talking to you. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Oh, well, He's talking well. to his wife who's sitting right next to him. <laughs> he just looks at her. They both just flabbergasted. Oh, dude, that movie is so funny. I love that shit. That movie is an American classic. Agreed. It's timeless, too. All the vacation, like, European vacation is good. The original vacation, that movie's fucking hilarious, too. I don't think I've seen the original vacation. Uh, the original vacation is, you've, uh, dude, it's, it's, it's awesome. Isn't it a different family in every movie? No, it's Chevy Chase and Beverly D'Angelo are constant. But the kids change. Uh, the kids change. There's yeah. a Rusty that's in two of them. Uh, then there's the Rusty in... Christmas Vacation. No, no doubt, Christmas Vacation is the best cast. I it's think the so. best Audrey and the best Rusty. <laughs> like, they're, like, like, the Audrey and the Christmas. They're very believable kids. They are. She's like, I don't want... Just imagine her, her, her brother talking about... Or her his sis, Audrey, talking about... Jesus Christ. I need to take a deep breath. Audrey talking about what Rusty, what she imagines him doing in bed at night, like because he's sleeping in the same room as her. <laughs> it's just so real. It's like I don't know what that little creep does. He's laying next to me. Who knows what's happening? Uh, anybody that's never seen that movie, like that's if you want to be my friend, like we should definitely bond over that movie. It's a good one. Cast changes in movies kind of bug me sometimes. Yeah. Like, it was um, the 70s or 80s. The one that kills me the hardest was the one in Iron Man 2. Oh, Rhodey? Rhodey. Yeah. Because, I mean, I respect it the most, but it also bugs me the most. Why do you Just respect it the most? Because they, the way they filmed it, it's such a, it's such a big lead up to it, to Rhodey coming in, and they show it's not the same guy. They're like... It's basically just them putting it out there like, fuck it, we know. It's yep. not the same dude. But guess what? It is. So get over it. Because they, they cut in. I forget who played him in the first one. It was a guy that looked like uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. Yes, and then they changed it to Don Cheadle, who I love Don Cheadle, <laughs> but they are what they don't look skinny, anything alike. Like three skin tones darker. <laughs> yeah. His face is like half perfect, the width, the tall head. Yeah, He's totally. And then when they film it, they just show the back of his head. And his blue uniform while he walks in the courtroom. Yeah. And he, there's just him, the back of his head, while he walks up. And then uh, Tony Stark walks over and he goes, hey, Rhodey, I'm so glad you could make it. And then they turn to show it's Don Cheadle. And it's just him like, yeah, Tony, no problem. Glad I could be here. Yeah. It's just so, it's definitely just a big, they made a big show of it. And they're, look, we get it. We yeah. know it's not the same dude. Act We're going to get it out of the way right now. You know, I think the most egregious and that I can remember, that is egregious. And I remember because the first, the first roadie I liked, like he was, yeah. like a, he was like a cowboy kind of personality. And I don't Don know if, if he separated in. by himself. That was his fuck up. Yeah, Don Cheadle's like <laughs> rendition of it was different. It, it was whatever. It, it was, was fine. Just I like Don like, Cheadle. Fucking lame. You don't look fun to hang out with. Don Cheadle's a good actor. He is a good actor. There's no denying that. Have um, you seen him play Captain Planet? No, it's hilarious. I've seen him play the only like I think Don Cheadle I think Hotel Rwanda immediately. Mm. I forgot who's in that. Yep. He plays the main guy. Um the most egregious to me was uh Dumbledore in Harry Potter. I forget that they changed people. So first in second Harry Potter Dumbledore was played by a man whose name I cannot recall. 
he did he he dude you if you read the books that is dumbledore like no doubt and then is that man mckellen i forget his name maybe that is he McKellen. did such a fucking he did such a good job the second guy the first guy oh okay for and that's he's only in harry potter one and two and then the second guy was the dude who plays gandalf okay so it is Ian mckellen yeah the second guy <laughs> and he just he it was almost like he was playing gandalf in a way i mean i could see that being yeah. hard when he did you know just an old white wizard yeah for like three movies in new zealand for probably months or years <laughs> and then he, he came into another old white five. wizard role he was there for five movies so he was there from honestly three, i don't four, know which five, one came first six and sevens part one and two did lord of the rings come first or yes harry, harry lord of the rings was definitely before harry potter okay i mean i don't know when lord of the rings came out but it was for sure before harry potter okay but he so he just if you read the harry potter books Harry and Dumbledore, their relationship is super, like, intertwined and complex and really cool. Does he diddle him? No, he doesn't diddle him. And it's just, like, the Dumbledore written in the books is so wise and so interesting a character. Okay. And the Dumbledore portrayed in movies is just this gruff... man like there's a famous like meme of a quote from the book from harry potter for the goblet of fire mm-hmm. when harry's name comes out of the goblet w- where dumbledore essentially like calmly quietly goes up to harry and it's like harry did how did this happen did you put your name in the goblet what he doesn't ha- do that in the movie in the movie he's he like what the fuck it comes out he screams over to harry and just like grabs him <laughs> did you put your name in the goblet of fire you son of a bitch <laughs> it's just like it's the most egregious just brutal just affront to the real writing of it that's hollywood baby ah it's so frustrating the harry potter movies are harry potter movies are fantastic and i love I like them. them too but they uh they do I not they don't rep they don't represent the books even in the slight i mean the seventh movies are really good really i th- i like those the deathly hollow movies were crazy they're so good <laughs> in the seventh book dude it's just it's fucking phenomenal like ah harry potter will never go out of style <laughs> i love that shit we'll stick around through a long Fuck time yeah dude harry potter's the shit just like Star Wars. Mm. Yeah, the only thing that could go wrong with Harry Potter is if they they do what it seems like they're teetering on and just like keep making new versions of it. Wait, she already wrote a new book. She also it's like about a, his son or something. She also let like fan fiction bullshit book come out about like like get released like about the lead up i don't even know what it's about i refuse to read it (laughs) my sister read it and she's like travis don't read it (laughs) she's like it will ruin everything for you (laughs) i trust that it's because jk rowling sits on twitter and she just validates any fan theory that pops up on there yeah she's she's like you know what i think dumbledore is gay like sure (laughs) fine whatever what was it she said something on twitter recently i don't know she's like it was like a couple days ago she said something that just everybody was like what'd you just say jk it was about like trans people or something she went after them i don't i don't know i don't know anything about it yeah um 
she always seems like she's been inclusive, but yeah, people are against her now. I don't understand it, but well, I think it might. I don't know what she said. Just either, be an though. example of people who, uh, n- in years past, wouldn't have had a platform other than their art, um, having you know a platform to share their opinions. It's kind of mm-hmm. like the idea. People get pissed off when they see, um, like actors, you know, like with opinions about the environment and stuff like that they get they get yeah. upset when it's like y- who the fuck are you telling you, you can't have an do? opinion yeah or just like and some people it's like, like you know what you we you love your opinions. art but like shut up <laughs> you know like when sting comes out on stage and starts preaching it's like we just want to hear you singing your songs your art is amazing your opinions and you know what they your opinions and like you maybe as a person it's not really floating my boat so. well Please be done. I think in terms of like being an artist and using your platform for political goals, it depends on yeah. when and where you're doing it. You know, like if you're selling tickets to a show, if I bought tickets to a show and I win it turned into a sermon about something, about anything, I'd be kind of pissed. There's a lot of, like, there's this a lot isn't of bands what I, that do that. This isn't what I paid you money for. Yeah. Um, but like I don't give a shit what they say on their social media or yeah. like when they're accepting awards or giving speeches at events. Like yeah. they can say whatever they want there because I'm not there to see them perform. Yeah, but at the same like time, like Leo DiCaprio, like giving a speech about climate change at the Oscars, people get pissed. They're like, "You're an actor." It's like, well, he's also not in a movie right now. He's just on stage yeah. getting awards, so he can he, say whatever he wants. It's true. He is a person. Yeah, and he is intelligent. If you didn't want to give him a platform, you shouldn't have gone to see his movies in the first place. His movies are so good, though. Yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio is in my like top three actors. Mm-hmm. What's your top agree. three? Do you have a top three list of actors? Not that I think of, but I'll have to, I can probably maybe think of three off the top of my head. Think of three dope actors. Oh. Like three actors that you really, really like. Fuck, it's going to be hard. I really like Leo. Um, I don't like Orlando Bloom very much. Why did I didn't... S- <laughs> Like just I just popped, and he popped in my like head, man. Who I don't. He popped in my head. Yeah. Uh, favorite actors. Who else can I think of? I don't know, dude. I don't have these in my head. I like Leo. Um, How do you feel about Tom Hanks? I think Tom Hanks is good. I think he's a really good actor. I like uh, him. I think that there are so many Tom Hanks movies that I fucking love. He's got a bunch. He's he's not one of my favorites, but Catch I like him a lot. Catch me if you can. The Green Mile, <laughs> Forrest Gump, Castaway, uh, Saving Private Ryan. Fuck you, Polar Express. He kills yeah. it in that. That's Polar Express is good. Polar Express is fantastic. No, I said fuck you. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I just felt like I felt like as soon as I as soon as I share that like Polar, I consider Polar Express a great movie. It's fine. There's gonna be. I just fear that people would judge me about that. So no, I'm not gonna judge you for it. It's fine. I like that movie too. I, I like the I like movie. the nerdy little train kid in it. Oh, I, I identify with him. He reminds me of an annoying cousin of hey, mine. Hey, you know what kind of train this is. <laughs> like shut well, up fuck. everyone's like stop <laughs> talking dude nobody wants to hear from you this is number 47 big boy these things go for miles <laughs> <laughs> i i love tom hanks though he's so good he's really good you actor. ever wake up at like two in the morning unable to sleep and you go like you go into your living room lay down on the couch flip on the tv and it's like a, a third of the way through castaway you just watch that movie? No. Oh. I haven't had cable in like that eight years. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. But that is a, that's like an experience that defines my love of Tom Hanks. 
because it happened to me a couple times as a young as a young man i couldn't sleep and i'd go downstairs and i'd scroll through the channels and eventually stumble upon like castaway and it's perfect for not being able to sleep at two in the morning like you're watching this I man uh, completely alone half the movie's silent it's great yeah it's a great movie. Castaway's it's just, really good you just movie. watch. You just watch him do his thing forever, and then it, you know it like ends, and he goes to Yahoo, and blah blah blah. It's just what? funny that you, as a young man, is sneaking down into the living room at like three in the morning, flipping through all the TV cha- stations rather than going to like a Skinamax channel or something <laughs> like that. You're just lying on Castaway, and like, yeah. oh wow, this is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, most yeah. teenage boys would probably go for like the late night HBO specials. Yeah, I mean, I, I I did I did that too for sure. It was just funny, but yeah, man, that's <laughs> <laughs> the way you framed that. It definitely sounded like yeah, I went down to the TV. It was like two in the morning. It was like I, I was doing sleep. something wrong. Yeah, I was like trying to find some softcore porn on Skinamax. I want to see. Instead, I wound up watching Castaway. Bro, do you know how exciting it was as like a. 12 13 year old boy looking at boobies it was amazing it was amazing like when you saw a pair of boobies just the the best <laughs> i remember when i was like 13 i um was watching tv and my dad and a couple of his buddies like one of my uncles were out on the on the uh on the deck like playing cards just having a nice night <laughs> and uh I I was just scrolling around and I found this show. It was on Travel Channel, and it was like uh, America or the world's twenty twenty one sexiest beaches. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like twelve. Uh, oh my god! I'm like, let's see what this is. This seems nice. I like beaches. I want to go. I love going to the beach. And <laughs> Sexy beaches? What do they mean, sexy? I'm 12. I go to a fucking private Catholic school. Oh, look at that sand. Oh, it's so hot. Dude, it was just it was just a list of 21 beaches where it's just <laughs> overcrowded with sexy people. How do they <laughs> How do they measure that? What is uh, it even? I don't know, but number 1 and 2 were correct. I was like, "Holy shit." I was just sitting there and it's just like just chicks topless in thongs, like which just barely blurred out. My dad comes in and he just says, well, at least you're not gay. Or, 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 or I, now <laughs> I know you're not gay. I was like, oh, I've been had. I was just watching chicks in, in, fuck, in like bikinis. Is that travel channel? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. And it just it, it's, it highlights how exciting it was to see that as a young boy. Yeah, it's remarkable. It's, it's like nothing. I don't, I, I don't know if there's anything equivalent because there aren't like – I guarantee universally, I I'm so confident saying this that girls, there's not a massive amount of twelve year old girls who go and look at dicks and get super excited. Probably not. There's not. No. That's just gross. <laughs> <laughs> who wants to look at that? What if if you if you caught your thirteen year old girl looking at like dicks online or something like that? What would you do? Would you worry? Probably not. I'd be like, yeah, you can look at dicks, but do your friends look at dicks too? Like, or is this just <laughs> you? Because like, I don't think girls. That's not do what that. I would look up, but all right. I mean, I don't know. I don't think girls do that. Girls aren't as visual as guys like that. There's a lot of girls that watch porn. There's a lot of girls that watch porn. 
but probably not as much as guys. I don't th- like just like you take a, a a group of like eighth graders and you show them a pair of boobs. Like it's a totally different effect than if you took a group of eighth grade girls and mm-hmm. showed them like I don't know whatever's comparable of a guy. Just dongs, dicks. Yep. Ugh. Different. It would be weird. Men and women express their sexuality differently. Yeah, we do differently. We're a what's what's the word for that? Dimorphic species. Mm, okay. I think that's what it is. Uh, I mean, that's just when there's uh distinct differences between the sex. Like there's mm-hmm. some species that you basically couldn't determine whether it was a male or a female unless you you know vivisected it. And you're saying we're a dimorphic species? Yeah, which means that it's immediately apparent. That there's a oh. difference between gender or sex. I thought you said the opposite. That what's, no. what's the word for a species that uh, you can't tell? I, I think dimorphic is a word for us. I don't know what the word for uh, not dimorphic is. I would assume monomorphic or something like that. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. But there's species like uh, like the anglerfish is a dimorphic species. Yeah. Because the the fish that you see with all the big scary teeth and the, 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 the thingy light. on its forehead, yeah. that's the female. Is it? Yes. The okay. male is like a 20th of the size, and they mate by latching on to the female, and then they actually just fuse and shrivel and die. So essentially all the males do is attach to the female and give the female gonads that it can use at any time to reproduce. So it's just like a, a swimming pair of nuts. Yes. Wow. Yep. That is incredible. Mm-hmm. It's just literally like it's it becomes a sex organ. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's all it really it just attaches and it shrivels up and there's just a pair of balls stuck on a female. Nature is so crazy. Mm-hmm. So the female because can just that, like that, squirt some goop oh. out and fertilize its eggs and do it all on its own pretty much. You zoom out of that, you know, zoom out mm-hmm. to like, uh, you know, planetary level that is a tiny 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 little organism just it's just like us looking into a into you know with pond water with a microscope pretty much there's all sorts of stuff swimming around in there Mm -hmm. you take one droplet and you look at it with a with a light microscope at like 60 to like 400 zoom get all sorts of plankton and i can't remember what the uh little dudes hanging out just little dudes. You take a microbiology class, and they're just like, today we're going to look at little dudes. <laughs> You're going to get a little bit of water. We're going to take – there's there's so many cool little experiments you do in just a basic microbiology class. Mm-hmm. You look at pond water. You, you take a swab from somewhere in your house and look at what's growing there. Put a petri dish and let it grow. Yeah, that one's gross. Bathrooms are way cleaner than you probably think. The Mythbusters did a thing that about how your uh, toothbrush basically just is covered in poo. Yeah, all the time. There's nothing you can really do about so it. So they confirmed that. Yeah, I mean they were uh, they did a bunch of different. They just left toothbrushes in bathrooms, and they would like use the bathroom throughout the week, pretty much. And then they would cultivate the E. coli bacteria that they swabbed from the toothbrush. They tried a different bunch of different uh, like putting caps on it and like leaving it like in a cabinet or leaving the toilet seat down when you flush versus having the toilet seat up when you flush, that kind of stuff. And basically they just figured out that if your toothbrush is in the bathroom, it's always covered in shit. My toothbrush is in the same bathroom my dad takes shits in. So your toothbrush is covered in a lot of people's shits. My dad's shit. Yep. And everyone else that uses the bathroom. 
Sorry. I had these little. <laughs> <laughs> I had these little sanitation pods that you can clip over your uh, your little uh, your toothbrush, and that might do something. It's got a strip of something. It in might there. be better than nothing. Yeah. I don't know if they actually used one of those in the. In they that probably did, but at the same time, I currently don't have one of those on my toothbrush. Well, then it's better than nothing. I don't have one on there. I'm saying you should put one on there. I probably should. Yeah. You know, it's it's amazing. I had uh, when I, I I had braces as a uh, growing up, mm-hmm. just for about a year. Me too. And uh, I got as like when they put the braces on, they put they sent me home with a uh, real hooked up toothbrush, like a Cadillac, you know, like a hundred and twenty dollar toothbrush, okay, like, one, like a fancy Sonicare yeah, kind of thing. Oral B Triumph. It's Whoa. called. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Triumph, bro. And that thing was such a good toothbrush. And you just get it, you know, you go through a head and you get a new head and mm-hmm. the body remains and you just put it on the charger. Yeah. Anyways, that died. And ever since, I've just used normal toothbrushes. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy how fast I go through them. It's like within a month, like my toothbrush is like looking frayed and. Like, I need a new toothbrush. I think, like, the guidance that I've always been familiar with is you need to buy, like, a toothbrush, like, every year or something like that. What? I think that's what they say. That is not enough. No, I don't think so either. Hell no. I definitely don't go through more than a toothbrush a year. That they, Bro, they tell you you need, like, three loofahs, like, a year. <laughs> Maybe One it's every toothbrush? six months or something then. I don't remember. Well, that's, that's when you're supposed to, like, uh, so, like, if you have good health insurance... Mm-hmm. And you have Supposed dental to to, covered. Yeah. They say every six, every months, six months. Yeah, I just scheduled mine. Bro, your mouth is so important. Yeah, it's how you, every. It's how I talk. It's how I eat. It's how I drink. You don't, it's as you a keep young alive. person, you don't. It doesn't hit you because you don't have the problems. <laughs> but when shit in your teeth starts going wrong, you realize real quick how fucking important your teeth are. They're very important. They compliment me every time I go to the dentist. I really? go every six months. That's fucking rad. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're bullshitting you. They're like, we want to keep his business. Who cares? I mean, they don't. I've never had a filling. I've I've never had. I've had eight teeth pulled out of my mouth. You've had eight teeth pulled. Uh huh. Why? And that's everything. Um, Why? I had well four wisdom teeth, and then the other four were because one of my parents. I don't remember who has what, but one of them has a small jaw, and the other one has big teeth. Yeah. So I had like two, <laughs> I had too many teeth in my head, essentially. Yeah. So I, how many teeth does the average adult have? I think it's thirty-two. I'm four shy of that. So you're four shy of that, mm-hmm. because they took eight out. Yes. Okay. Yep. So I had my four wisdom teeth pulled, and then I had four additional teeth pulled out that were adult teeth, because I just they didn't fit in my head. Yeah, I get that. And so they were all That's snaggled, snaggled up. Uh, yanked those out, and then I got braces. Hmm. Yep. Had a spacer for spacer suck. Did you have a spacer? No, my teeth weren't that fucked up. Couldn't talk. Yeah. And I remember I got it, and then they sent me to school, which I don't know why they did, because I literally couldn't talk. It's mm-hmm. like, think about how often, like, your tongue touches the roof of your mouth. All the time. I got, like, a this medieval torture device put across, it's like, two bands go across the top of your, like, two teeth in your top row, mm-hmm. and then you have a metal bar that goes across the top of your mouth, so your tongue can't actually touch the roof of your mouth. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. My buddy had one of those. Mm-hmm. It looked miserable. They sent me into school, and I was in Mrs. Rivett's class, and she like answered it. She had called on me. She's like, Bobby, what do you think? And I was just like, <laughs> I 
it was so embarrassing. It's like I, I literally I can't I can't talk. I have a thing in my mouth and it's like glued and cemented in place. So I can't like what do you I can't fucking do anything. Now, did you learn how to talk with it in? Or, I, or I, I, I can still barely talk, but uh, I did learn how to make noises. Yeah. So I was able to adapt to it, but it was uh, there was a couple days where it was very it was difficult. That's fucked up. It was it was kind of fucked up. Way to hammer on your psyche. It's Poor right. kid. It's all right. That reminded me. Like, it, was, it was geeky enough. I you was, might as well pile it so on. It didn't hurt anything. I was never a self-conscious kid. You know? I was always generally just, you know, I never, uh, doubt wasn't really part of me growing up. Just because I went to, like, my class was You're so sonic. Well, I mean, my class was so small, and I had, like, everybody that were, Everybody was so close, and we were all best friends, and it was this really isolated environment of just, like, yeah, you're here to learn and have fun. Like, you spend the night at your buddy's house. You go to your best friend's dad runs a summer camp, you know, just, like, everything from, like, kindergarten to eighth grade. No real self-doubt, other than, like, with, like, girls and stuff that I like. It's like, oh, um, but... When I, I remember one of the first times I really felt, like, really socially, like, uncomfortable or, like, I don't know how you, just, like, I felt, like, not good was, uh, was when it was my, I think, junior, sophomore or junior year of high school. And, you know, like most, like a lot of kids, I had acne. And uh, it wasn't good. <laughs> and I s- my mom started taking me to a dermatologist where I would get chemical peels done, Ooh. which they start you off. You sit there and, you know, you get you talk to them and stuff and they take this little metal. Um, it almost looks like a dental tool. It's like an extractor. Yeah, it just <laughs> to go over like blackheads yeah, right, and zits, okay. and yep. they just press down and just make your face like you know explode. Yeah. And I mean, my acne wasn't like it wasn't like cystic acne, you mm-hmm. know, it wasn't bad, but it was enough to where it's like every day almost I have a whitehead somewhere, you know. And so I they they sit you down, they do that with the metal thing, they get all your blackheads done, and then they start putting like a series of like chemicals on your face that are designed to like cleanse your skin, I guess. And then, but also it like burns a layer of skin off your face. Yikes. And for the day, the day that you get it done, your face is fucking yellow. (laughs) So you have this yellow face and I had one scheduled that I couldn't reschedule. And usually when I'd get it done, I just wouldn't come back to school because my (laughs) face is yellow. Right. I had one scheduled and I had to go back to school because I had a math test last semester. So, or last, last class, I go in the room and people are like, where were you? Dude, you look, you look, are you, you look yellow. Oh man. (laughs) And I'm just like, (laughs) ah, Oh, uh, what do I say? I have jaundice. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what that was. I was an idiot. That was like one of my first real just like shit. I got a case like, of the 24-hour jaundice. Yeah. 
I don't know. I I don't know. It was easy for me growing up. Like socially, I always like, I somehow I just tripped and stumbled my way through like social interactions with never really getting bullied, never having bad social anxiety or anything like that as a kid. Hmm. Weird. As an adult, I've developed like a certain level of social anxiety though. I think lots of people get anxiety. Yeah, it's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's really not cool. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to realize that I think I've always been anxious. Mm-hmm. I've always been an anxious person. Um I mean like I've been fucking chewing my nails since I had teeth. Um that's a bad habit. Yeah, I mean it's not is it even a habit if it's something that I've done since I've literally had teeth in my head? I think that's like the definition of a habit. It's fucked up. Just like this grain habituation yep Just um, you do it but i always like, like i went to like a, like a stomach doctor and stuff like that when i was in like elementary school you because had so I, many nails no there. i always complained about like uh like butterflies aches. i've just eaten too many nails no it wasn't that okay uh, it was like uh just uh, i mean i always called it like butterflies in my stomach right. just because I, I felt like weird and i didn't really know how to explain it and it wasn't until like a couple of years ago, I'm like, oh shit, that was fucking anxiety. <laughs> it's like I was an anxious like fifth grader. Yeah. Just that I was, I just didn't know how to deal with it. I was like, I just don't feel good. And I would like, I would go home. And they took me to a doctor one day finally because they were like, all right, what the fuck's wrong with you? And there was something wrong with my stomach. So I was like, well, shit, I guess I'm just full of shit. Yeah. Uh, and then I realized just a couple of years ago, like, oh no, I was just filled with anxiety as a small child. And I feel like I can be better about it. Now that I recognize it, it's one of those things where certain behave certain behaviors exacerbate anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if you have from the time you were a little kid, you like to bite your nails. You like to have something in between your teeth and push down. It's like an active. I mean, it's not even if I'm like driving in my car. I, if I just have like a pen in my hand or like a fidget cube or something like that, yeah. I have one of those floating around. I don't know yeah. where the fuck I put it most of the time, but it's somewhere. Uh, but if I have, like, something in my hand, then I don't have that urge. So it's just, like, I need to be toying with something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm fidgety. I've always been that way. Mm-hmm. And the thing about, think about how, um, what I notice, at least, and what a lot of people do and what I do is I clench my jaw. Mm-hmm. And yep. that causes a physiological response. So that physiological thing that you're doing of clenching your jaw mm-hmm is causing the release of different levels of hormones in your body because your body's like, oh, his jaw's clenched. Something must be mm-hmm. a little bit intense. He needs to feel that intensity right now. There's a lot of factors that go into it. So it's like little minor things. If you can learn how to, over a long period of time, it takes a long time, if you can learn how to unclench your jaw and you can slowly learn how to do these things that reduce your anxiety, that reduce that res- that anxiety response that your body has learned you can get to a level where the anxiety doesn't really hurt you that bad where it's yeah. not as constant but there's people that never get there and there's people that have such bad anxiety for years and years and years and the only thing that makes it better are is like benzos benzodiazepines and alcohol like real Cigarettes. just just yeah central nervous system depressants mm-hmm. things that just make your whole system go quiet down yep like bro i've taken i've <laughs> i didn't realize that like i really had much anxiety um until i took 
a Xanax one time. Like I was, I was really stressed out, really just like, you know, had that, that butterflies in your stomach. Just something feels wrong. Mm -hmm. I'm so upset about this situation. Like, and my mom gave me a Xanax and I, within like 20 minutes, it was like all of that was gone. And I was just like clear and normal. And I was like, holy shit. I might have some anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel about the medication that I take too. Yeah, more or less. It's like a, uh, it just turns like everything down a little bit. It's like, oh, this yeah. is what everybody feels like all the time. This is what normal is like. I don't know because I don't, I don't. I mean, I've only ever taken Xanax like a handful of times. Mm -hmm. My mom always gave it to me. Mm -hmm. Um. And that's been, like, in the last, like, two years. Um, and I've never tried, like, an antidepressant or any type of, like, mood stabilizer. <laughs> and I I just, there's part of me that's wary of it. Because it's, like, I wouldn't ever want to, like, even though, like, I recognize that I don't always feel, like, how I want to feel. And sometimes, you know, like, I might feel unjust anxiety or uh, d d depressive type you know feelings there's i just i believe that that's just part of the fluctuation of being a person and it you got to learn how to deal with it that said it is without question that some people dip lower and rise higher than other people so like for me what my bad anxiety is like might be a light day for someone else, you know, or so never so know exactly. I can't tell, I cannot tell another person how they feel. And there are, there are our best attempts at drugs that just make it so, like, okay, now you can breathe, now you can figure like out your life. All right, good, like. Without 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 a lot of drugs, so many people would be just fucked. Like because their situation, their lifestyle, or their genetics have made it so that yeah. they can't feel good most of the time. I, I mean, I'm not I'm not like that. I take like no. I take five milligrams of Lexapro. Like I take literally the. Is that the lowest dose? It's the low. It's I I take half of the lowest dose that they make. Really? I, I get a I get a ten milligram pill and I have to cut it in half. Dude, I would say when I when I I wasn't taking Xanax, but when I when I have taken Xanax, it's point five milligrams, mm -hmm. like not even a fucking milligram. <laughs> and I notice like ah, I feel good now. <laughs> like <laughs> there's people, there's people that take three milligrams three times a day. That's fucked. Yeah. Yep. You're um, fucked if you're taking three milligrams of a benzo three times a day. Sorry, buddy. You're never going to feel good without those benzos. Unless you have a Navy SEAL. Ma Who knows? Good People luck getting change. off of that. Good luck getting off of that. Mm. They're the detox. I forget to take mine for weeks at a time sometimes and nothing happens. You're not You're not on a benzodiazepine. I think lens, like, is it an SSRI? Yeah. Yeah. So that functions completely differently yeah like mine doesn't like i don't know i know i josh asked me like if uh i don't know why i brought josh up but <laughs> it's because like it, uh, no names if it like produces Sorry. like a like if it produces like a high and it doesn't i mean not mine at least i've also what? never taken more than five milligrams at a time just well i mean what is, what even is a high 
like is it just like feeling altered i don't even feel altered like, like i don't know like some or feeling different than you did before what, what i was always high? what i was always afraid with when i before i started taking mine and i was like recalcitrant to it because like i don't know i read like brave new world and it's like i want to take like happy tablets and i don't want to yeah. like um not be myself and right. i don't feel like i'm not myself when I take like this medicine, I feel like I'm more myself. If anything, yeah, um, you're not yourself when you're having really bad depression. Yeah, I mean, it's not even. I don't know if I have a really bad depression anyway. It's just like, I I, I totally agree with what you say about like you know being sad and anxious is part of life. But like, if you're sad and anxious like every day, even if it's not that bad, and you don't yeah. have to be, why would you be? We need to do something about that. If you're sad and anxious every single day, and it's 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 affecting your quality of life and y you're unhappy with your living arrangement you're unhappy with your day-to-day -day, then we need to do something well about that's not that. me well no just i'm saying. just saying like <laughs> as as like you know as a medical professional like sure yeah. let's do something about that mm -hmm. now what needs to be discussed and what needs to be part of the conversation and which and and what i have a feeling isn't part of the conversation a lot of the time is what are we going to do other than pharmaceutical intervention yeah. to get you feeling how you need to be feeling mm -hmm. like there's there's a lot of things and the problem is with like these with psychological problems like this we need people want instant gratification mm -hmm. they want to feel better right now and nothing is going to do that so you have a drug okay and this drug is going to say say on a day you're 10 you feel a 10 that's the best you can feel zero is the worst you can feel psychologically mm -hmm. say you're resting at a three every day you're always at a three you're close to suicidal you feel awful and it's been going on for a long time and you've only ever really risen to like a seven and you've just in brief moments you've only gotten up there a couple times here and there your life is garbage you were you were abused growing up you have all this baggage and you rest as a 28 year old in fucking i don't know chicago every day you're at a three you get a little you, you get up to a four when you watch the office and eat ice cream but then you go right back to a three. We can give you a drug. We can find a drug for you that's going to put you up at a five and a half every day. Every day, this is going to get you up to a five and a half. That is so important. Mm -hmm. Because without it, you wouldn't be able to do the things that are going to take you from a five and a half to a seven to an eight. Like there's little things that every person can do through discipline that increases your happiness and it doesn't work every day. And it's one of those. It's just you have to it, they just have to be positive habits, like positive health, hab mental health habits. It still doesn't help for everybody sometimes. It doesn't help right away. And in you still have lows. But I, I over years, who, know, who are do everything and still like who? Um. You don't have names. to name names, drop any but more give names. examples. That's um, it's a buddy that I went to school with, and he just, uh, I mean, he he exercises, and he he's in 
like a dual PhD program along with several certifications. So he works very hard. He is really good cook. So he cooks a lot of the time. He practices that. He has a good amount of friends. So he talks to a lot of people and he just still feels like shit all the time. Yeah. And he's on medication and he's been through a lot of different like um, therapists. He's been in and out of different hospitals. He's been through different experimental treatments and just nothing's really helped. So he just feels like shit a lot all the time. That's interesting. That's so that's that's horrible. But it just in my, you know, amateur mind, my stupid mind, I'm just like, what is it that he's missing? You know, I don't know. What's missing? Why aren't you happy? It makes me it makes me sad cuz he's he's, a, he's sad. a good guy and I would I would really like him to be happy. Well, everybody deserves uh, to have that feeling when like yeah. when a song comes on and you just like get in the zone and you dance and you sing to it. Everybody deserves that. <laughs> and the fact that the fact that you know some somebody out is working so hard and they just can't get themselves to let go and have fun. At a certain point, it makes me wonder if, like, maybe just the way they think is part of the problem. Like, it very well could be. You just need to be a little bit more positive. Like, just understand that happiness is a choice. Just think positive. Choose to be happy. Sorry, it sounds stupid, but <laughs> happiness is a choice. The ketamine treatments didn't help. How about you just try being positive? Hey, man. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever thought about just having good thoughts? <laughs> think about puppies and rainbows. Maybe that'll help when the ketamine didn't. Hey man, I mean, <laughs> it sounds stupid, but actually, maybe. I mean, come on. He's, he he uh, he had told me several times that he'd been through uh, several different uh, therapists that had like advocated for uh, behavior modification therapy therapy, and that didn't that, assist him. That is helpful. It didn't help him. He's got something else. He's got something going on. I don't Was know he what abused it is. I'm not as a kid. Oh yeah, definitely. Ooh, what kind of abuse? No, exactly, but yeah. I, I just know. I mean, I, I know his parents suck. You know what <laughs> bums me out is like I know uh, I know people that have gone through uh, really, really unbelievably traumatic things, mm -hmm. and uh, seeing how like they they are generally like happy. But they also like feel bad a lot of the time and have a lot of anxiety. But they don't necessarily like attribute it to like the traumatic thing that happened to them. I'm thinking of like a specific like person that I know where it's just like, man, I wish you just like would give yourself a break every now and then because you feel horrible partially because of what happened to you. And you're just walking around comparing yourself to all these people who have never experienced something like you did. And you just need to, like, forgive yourself a little bit for not feeling the best today. Understand that it's okay that maybe you can let yourself slack here and there. You don't have to always be achieving something. Because that's like that happens with people where they get they something super traumatic happens to them as a young kid. And then they turn into this person who's like so driven to only accomplish crazy goals. Like all they want to do is accomplish goals because something fucked up happened to them as a kid. I know I know 
like two people. I'm thinking of two people right now that I know that they didn't have it okay growing up. Be- and they're they're very similar in that they're extremely goal and goal oriented and very hard on themselves. And it's just like <laughs> I see them and I'm like, hey, yo, bud, it's cool. You're good. Cause it's just want to pat him on the back like you're good, you know. <laughs> Drama's a weird thing, yeah. And it's not all equal either. I don't think. I think that uh, everybody experiences things that negatively affect them in their life, and even though some people are objectively worse. Everybody still experiences similar feelings of. As far as you know. As far as you know, I mean, I fuck if I know. I mean, I do not know what it's like to be. I don't know, like say, you know, eleven and have your dad fucking, you know, beat the fuck out of you and lock you in a closet for three days. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> I think that'd be probably be pretty pretty much worse than anything I've ever experienced. Yeah, it'd be pretty shitty. Yeah. I, uh, I f- my heart goes out to those people, and I'm glad that we're developing treatments for that can actually maybe help them. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully, because what we got now, does the not modern work. the modern pharmaceutical industry, especially as it relates to mental health, is probably going to be looked upon how we look at um, electroshock therapy nowadays. Even though electroshock therapy is still used in some places, I was just gonna say that. I think it's, uh, I it's think archaic. It, I mean, you you yeah. it's essentially it's not good for a lot of people, especially like you pump someone full of one thing and then they need another thing to count to deal with the side effects of that one, and then you just keep pumping people full yeah. of chemicals. Or you have people that spend like ten years bouncing around different cycles, um, antipsychotics or whatever, antipsychotics, mood stabilizers, like different uh, psychotropic medications that they're on a daily regimen of it just wonks them in all these different directions it's like you get wonked for a year on this drug and fucking east and then you wonk west for another year on this direction then you spend three years wonked north and then you're just like fuck i just feel weird it it might be because you've been bouncing around on different pharmaceuticals that severely alter your brain chemistry for years Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I agree with that. Completely archaic. Yep. It'll be viewed as barbaric in a couple decades, probably. That's And that's the funny thing is, just a couple decades, I believe you're probably right A about couple that. decades ago, there was a dude who was traveling around the country just giving lobotomies out because he thought oh. it would cure everything. Like, literally, I don't remember his name, but if you, there's a dude who, like, just traveled around the country and is like, is your kid hyper? I'll give him a lobotomy. It'll fix him. Is your wife sad? I'll give her a lobotomy. It'll fix her. And then he did, did, like, hundreds of lobotomies. Did they ever look at the after result of a lobotomy? Because I I don't think they were cool. He was allowed to do it for a long time. Lobotomies are fucked up. Yeah. And they, they were like the they were like ice pick lobotomies too, as far oh, as I know. They just weren't they sticking weren't, it in there and going yep, up your nose, just oh, fuck, dude. Yep, scrambling your brain. One flew over quick. the cuckoo's nest is maybe the scariest movie of all time. I haven't actually watched it. 
you should watch Akira. I'll watch that. It's good. Um, if you want to watch Cowboy Bebop sometime, I have that. I want to watch One Punch Man if we're talking anime. One Punch Man's hilarious. I I I was talking anime with a f- with a guy at work. Is that how you got to Akira? Yeah, and uh, he recommended that. I just I don't know. I uh, I was just really blown away by Spirit of the Way. You know, dude, that's what I was trying to tell you guys for a long time. Like yeah. the way that. I don't know. I I love I love anime movies. Uh, some of them because they are just beautiful. Yeah. They're they're every frame is hand painted, and it's just gorgeous to look at the way that they tell the story. Yeah, and how it differs from a lot of Western media. For instance, like Western media is typically driven by action. Like that's how you change scenes, and that's how you give the impression of time as you have things happen. But the way that in, uh, a lot of Japanese art, uh, especially like manga which I don't know anything about. I've never read a manga before. Um, but like anime and those kind of things is they typically will use space rather than time to convey scene changes and events and time differences and things like that. Like they'll just draw, draw like, uh, for instance, Ghost in the Shell. Have you never seen Ghost in the Shell? With Ghost uh, Scarlett Johansson? No. The original, it's an anime. Hey, come on. I, I knew. I've you seen did. it. You did. You know the whitewash version of it I've with Scarlett Johansson it. playing a Japanese Scarlett character. Johansson in a white bodysuit. You're like, mm, I can um, watch this movie on repeat. No, you should watch the, the anime for it. It's dope. Yeah. Um, like it's, it's one of my favorite movies. Well, that, uh, it's, I it's don't like mean sp- to cut you off, mm. but what struck me about Spirit of the Way was the storytelling. Mm-hmm. It was so well done and you know whatever the animation style is is whatever it is it it felt real like the thing about it was like it it, the sense of time in the movie felt like reality and that is something that i think a lot of movies don't get right and like we're like you know like it could be 10 days that passed or a week they do a montage of rocky running up a mountain and training and it's like bro i know what it's like to run eight miles through the woods like that shit sucks and it feels like forever and rocky is shown flipping tires and punching that's that's grueling hours you can't do a montage of nursing school Mm -hmm. that shit felt like forever and in the thing with Spirited Away specifically was time passed like reality in mm-hmm. a sense. It was so strange. Like the whole thing felt like a dream. It just was so strange. I think part of that is the the that element of space rather than time. Yes. Ex- because yes. that's how you experience things, you know, like you you walk from place to place. You look at different things. Uh yeah. how I was mentioning Ghost in the Shell, for instance, there's a whole long sequence in that movie where there is no dialogue it is just the main character walking through the city and it is music and it is different drawings of these cyberpunky cityscapes and people going about their lives and i think that is kind of how it gets that feeling of reality mixed into it rather than if you know like in western movies you're jumping around between Interaction, interaction. Like you, you'll see one character and another character like have a fight, and then you'll have a jump cut to a different area, 
and it'll be two different characters like conniving about something or having a discussion and then it'll jump cut to two different characters having a discussion when you're looking at these um japanese anime movies how you convey the difference between scenes there's no hard cuts for the most part it's like you'll have them walk around and you'll just have them experience what's around them like spirited away there's so many scenes where san is just walking between people and she's just bumping into random characters who are like hey watch it like that kind of thing you know you get a vibe for the world that it's in there's like confusion built in yeah and a lot of movies don't have confusion there's nothing that like sets you off there it's just like this is the point this is the point yep. this is just like here 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 everything that you hear is relevant to the story mm -hmm. whereas with spirited away it's what's happening mm -hmm. just watch what's happening observe observe yeah that's how i feel about a lot of martin scorsese films yeah. or not martin scorsese uh quentin tarantino specifically uh once upon a time in hollywood once upon a time in hollywood felt like hey just watch these people live their life for a few hours. Yeah, that movie hardly had a plot. There was, <laughs> I remember sitting there and there was halfway no, There wasn't really like much of a conflict. There was no. some like interpersonal or intrapersonal conflicts, but yeah. there wasn't like an overarching narrative to the it story. It was gorgeous. It was great. It was, I remember sitting there. It was there, a slice of life movie. Yes, it was, I was sitting in the, the theater watching it and thinking, oh my God. I could watch this happen for another yeah. eight hours. You get Nothing to see is happening. You get to see people as they remember things, yep. as they like, as they're like. Uh, there's so many cuts like that. Like we're with Brad Pitt. Like you'll be in that. You'll be in the present in the movie, and he'll have like the Bruce Lee fight. You yeah. know, it's like he's having like flashbacks, and then else it'll snap back after ten minutes of him arguing with Bruce Lee and getting in a fight. It'll jump back to him. Where and you're like, like, oh he's yeah. Like, he's like, oh shit. Yeah. Like you remember it's like it's 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 hilarious. So you're watching these people and you get to experience their inner monologues and just as they go about their lives. It was completely gorgeous. Yep. One of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen. And there's a lot of scenes of just Margot Robbie just driving down singing, just Dude. driving around in her car, just fucking like living life. She's yeah. not really doing anything. She's just in her car listening to music. Listen, I for like two and a half hours fell in love with Margot Robbie in that movie. Like, in real life, she got murdered. Well, Sharon Tate. Yeah, but like Margot Robbie, like the way that sh she goes to the movie, she's wearing her big glasses. She just <laughs> looks so happy. Yeah. And she's like, just, ooh, just so excited to see herself. And then when the people laughed at her jokes in the movie, she just like had this big cheesy smile. I was like, that is real. Like she, she just plays a real girl. She did and a good job making that part too. She's so beautiful that you forget that she's a normal person. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, sometimes I think, especially as men, we forget that a really beautiful girl is still a normal person. Oh, They're not some, like, humans. extraterrestrial. Everybody's humans. Everybody's a human. Yeah. And that movie, that's like, why she I swipe left on super hot girls on Tinder for the most part. Like if they're like Instagram model hot, yeah, I'm just like fuck yourself and I get them out of here. What? It's why? Because like, you're that's just a person and you're sitting here like I don't know the way they construct everything. It's like, but they know they're pretty. Yeah, but that's what bothers me. Like I don't like I going on and no, I what I mean Damn. it's like when I go on Tinder. I was just making and I, the point. It's like just girls like you're are a normal like, girl that deserves love, and you're like fuck you because you're hot. No, that's not what I mean. I don't know how I got onto the subject. Um, 
I guess I should explain myself real quick Damn, before who we heard move you? on. Nobody heard me. Um, all the not sat true. No, I'm, I'm not upset about anybody in particular talking about this. It's like the girls on Tinder who are just Instagram model hot. Yeah. And it's like that's all they got. And they just go on Tinder and they just post their it's like their Instagram under it. And it's not like any attempt to actually connect to people. It's just a way for them I mean, to market their sure. Instagram profile. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and so I don't give a shit. About you that. I and I know the most. Uh, we know the, probably the most regionally successful Instagram model. Who got less hot? Yeah, I don't want to comment on that. I don't think I actually follow her anyway. You don't follow her? No, I don't give her a follow. The, I don't give a fuck. Why would I follow For her? For anybody listening that isn't from uh, from our area, isn't from my circle of friend groups, if you're that random listener who's out there just in the void listening to this and like 50 minutes in if that's what you're listening if, if if you're listening and you want to look up a, a cute little girl on instagram i don't know if that's the proper way to describe her she's the she's does the, it sound proper no it doesn't illegal. i mean she's little i don't know how tall she is I don't she's have very short she is tiny she weighs maybe 100 pounds we're talking about the same one yeah, we're talking about. Uh, Are we? Brie Lauren, Brie yeah, Travato. Okay. That's her real name. But she goes by Brie Lauren on Instagram. And she has around six hundred thousand followers. And she doesn't do anything. She doesn't do anything but work out like a fucking savage. Only on her butt. Um. No, she's got abs too. Whoa, okay. B- bro. Okay. What, what book did look, she most recently read? Okay. Stop. 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 You don't know that. <laughs> I can guarantee you Brie Travato has not read a book since high school. I would be willing to bet a, a significant amount of money on that. I am. I, am I would really bet that she probably didn't even read books in high school. She gave me a piece of gum in high school. That's all I remember. I was like, thanks, Brie. And uh, anyways, I would like to have her in here and talk to her because I think that she probably does have a few interesting things to say. You don't get 600,000 followers on Instagram because you're slacking. She works out fucking hard. Okay, what else does she do? Um, I don't, I don't really know. She dry, she 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 takes pictures of her boobies and posts them on the internet, and cool. perverts give her money. What a fascinating human! What have you done? I've done high energy astrophysics research. Oh, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> I've Mr. read a book in the last six months. I bet she's read a book. She posted a picture yeah. the other day about like this motivational like self help book. Did that she, she finish read. it? Uh, probably. We'll I don't see. know. I don't know. Get her on here and ask her. Well, a motivational self help book. What else has she read? <sighs> Maybe you should read one of those. Have you ever Have you ever cracked a self help book? No. Ever read something about read something that's meant to motivate you into becoming the best version of you? The best version of her has fake titties and a big butt. Maybe I don't know the version? fake titties really. What is the best version? The best version of her, all health, all self help book sweet. is is it someone going? Mm, I know how to live. You should live like me. Let me tell you how to do things. Not uh, not David Goggins' book. That shit is not like that. Mm. You read that, you fucking that'll change your fucking life. I just assume figure it out on my own. Fig- the best version of me is however I am. I don't need some asshole with a book to tell me how to live. You That's why I'm not religious. You were just bashing her for not reading. Now you're saying reading is stupid. I'm saying reading self-help books is stupid. Read a book Definitely that's going to give you information about the world or give you a fresh perspective. I think um, 
I don't know. I just I'm not interested in self help books for the most part. I think I'm not that I live perfectly. Certainly not. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing, but that's just it. I want to figure it out on my own. I don't need to hey. read a book giving me an instruction manual on how to exist. Um, that's the thing though. There is an opportunity to gain to to listen to somebody who has wisdom share their wisdom and yes i am sure there are a lot of self-help books and seminars especially where the person who is giving the said quote help advice the life advice the motivation is full of shit and they just learned how to say the right words to get people jazzed up in the moment. But there's also self-help. There's also a lot of really good self-help books and, I guess, speeches that you can look, that you can go to and read or listen to that will 100% aid your outlook on life. 100 percent there is there are people who have been through i don't know events in their life that have given them a wisdom that they that they can share with you and help you to become someone who's more happy with the way you are you know like so is any other human on the planet no, not everybody's got something I to go, share. I can go talk to some person in public for free who will give me a different perspective on life. Yeah, but you can also talk to somebody who has really some. Or listen, I can pay them money to get their book, and they'll tell me the secrets to how to live a happy and full life. Only not, if I pay them twenty dollars. I think anybody who's good at it will tell you that there isn't a secret to living a happy or fulfilling life. Exactly. So why the fuck do I need to buy a book to help enhance your life? But if it's not secret, then why do I need it? You don't need it. Exactly. So why would I pay the money if I don't need it? Look, man, I think part <laughs> of I think part of being a uh, strong man is knowing when to ask for help. Yeah, and I'm not gonna go ask for help from a book. Um, I'll go. I'll, I'll go ask like my parents. I don't know if I or anybody. I'll, I ask you and Josh for my, for help a lot of the time. Yeah. Um. But I just don't. I don't know, because I, I agree that there is a lot of useful information to get out of books in general. I just think that the whole, I just not, I'm not interested in self-help books. I'm not interested in biographies. I just not, I just don't find them compelling well, or interesting to hold read. Hold on, hold on. Biographies and self-help books are completely different. It's biographies true. are fascinating. They're, they're similar, though, because self-help books are based in their life experience and I what mean, they've done. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of wisdom you would get by reading the Eric Clapton biography, but also with the Eric Clapton biography, you're getting a fascinating story. With, like, a book, with with certain self-help books, you know, you're getting, uh, like, uh, The War of Art. That's a, that's a, that's a self-help book, and it essentially it gives you little pieces of advice from somebody who's done it so say you have a goal that you want to accomplish why not read the manifesto of somebody who's accomplished that goal that you want to accomplish and don't you think that somebody who's already done it 
has figured it out and has a little bit of advice they could give you. If I'm a bartender just starting out, I'm a brand new bartender, I'm going to look to the senior bartender to give me advice on how to do my job in a way that's going to make me the most money. Yeah, but you would also expect to get trained by the place that you're waiting bar at. Well, yeah. And you wouldn't need to go buy a $20 book to have somebody tell you, it's just in yourself that you have to dig into to make the perfect drink. I completely disagree with that. Be, and, and what I was saying was like, is an example, I'm not saying a self-help book for bartenders. I'm saying as, as somebody, say, say I want to, me personally, Travis, myself, I, I want to be a writer. I want to be a writer and a comedian. Why I think that it would be advantageous for me to read, say, Stephen King's On Writing as, sure. as, as an aid to learning how to like, do that craft. If if for you you want to be a physicist, wouldn't and there was like some sort of like I physicist would pick up a physics textbook written by a physicist, right? Yeah, but it's or it's like a physics book about physics. It's not yeah. how to be the best physicist. Let me tell you because I am so genius and successful that I will make you the best physicist if you pay me money to, and I will teach you. Only I possess the knowledge to make you successful at physics. I pick up a book that says this is physics. Okay, I get that. And I understand what and you're And I think from. on writing is another thing. It's just Stephen King. He's a writer. He's writing about writing. He's not writing a book going, let me tell you how to be the best writer you can be. He's just going, this is what I've learned about yeah. writing, and this is how I know how to and write. And there's a lot of valuable information in that. It's the difference between self-help and writing a treatise on something that you are an expert in and based on your own knowledge and perspective. Okay, so I let's just think that the knowledge – I think – I don't know. I just don't like the – the self-help aisle in Barnes and Noble is useless to me. I just don't like it. Let it's me. Bother me. I'm already late for a thing. We'll we'll finish up. We'll, 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 we'll finish up here in the next ten minutes. Um, okay, so just to like close out this because I don't want to end on a argument. To make my final like argument. my Bye. point here is so so David Goggins, he wrote a book. It's called Can't Hurt Me, and. If, if you're in a place in your life where there's a goal that you want to achieve, there are resources that resources that you can use that will enhance your ability to possibly achieve that goal. Wisdom from people who had a goal that they wanted to accomplish, they were low in life, and they figured out how to do it. And they have tangible advice for you for anybody that's willing to to learn from it you're saying that forgo all that and just do it on your own no i don't mm. there's no substitute for a good teacher i just don't think that consumerism is a good teacher Buying a self-help book is not consumerism. I think it is consumerism. Well, everything's consumerism. Yeah. This podcast is consumeristic because I had to buy the equipment to, to, to produce it. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Setting, learning how to set a goal doesn't have to be, I don't have to go pay $20 to figure out how to set a goal. You might, though. There could be little nuggets of wisdom in there that really connect with you, that help you greatly. There's also little nuggets of wisdom I can figure out on my own by doing it. I don't knock that. 
and I do believe that you do have to figure it out on your own. But there is there are things that you can do that will help you figure it out on your own. Like I just don't like self help books. I don't. Have you ever read one? The War of Art is fantastic. I'm reading. Um, still about halfway through Sun Tzu's Art of War, which could be considered a help self help book. Hold on, hold on. You're reading the Art of War, and yeah. I'm telling you about the War of Art. Let's trade when you're done. We'll both we'll read each Art other. Art of War is much older. Well, yeah, the War. Since of it's uh, it's about that long. It's not a very long book. The War of Art is essentially all about like how to become a professional. You know, just like like uh, just like how to deal with resistance when you encounter it, how to recognize it, and then work past it, and what it means to be like the best you i guess it's good okay i'm not saying that you should read a self-help book bob i'm not no i don't okay. i just say i don't like them i get it i, I don't i think you don't, don't want to read them i'm just curious it's like i think you don't like them off of this preconceived notion that everything is like you know some like joel olstein or what's his name uh anthony robbins type like you can do it i don't like getting told Believe what to do yourself. And I don't like people yeah. who peddle the belief that they know what to do either. Because nobody knows fucking anything. Nobody knows anything. We yeah. can agree about and that. And that's what bothers me, I guess, yeah. is people who write books from the perspective that they know everything and you should listen to them because they because you can do it too. Yeah. And that's what bothers me. I don't think that's every self-help book. I think there's a lot that are probably like that from people who it's like, what do you do? I give motivational speeches. You could probably say any what book you is self-help book. Reading, book is, reading books is self-help. It is any book. there any book one hundred percent one hundred percent and the, the, bro there's dude I know a guy who told me recently like he's always on a different hustle and he told me recently like yeah I'm thinking about like trying to like start giving people motivational speeches and I'm like what have you accomplished you can't just yeah. be motivational that's not that's that's not. how a lot of life coaches are yeah they don't do anything themselves they just think that they know the best way to live life and they can tell people it's like you're ultimate achievement is becoming a life coach it's like that's your profession you thought i want to be a life coach and you became a life coach and it's like all right so how are you going to help me become a geologist if that's my ultimate goal by encouraging you dude you can do it because exactly. i became a life coach and you can do it too you can do anything you put your mind to anybody bro. can run and how come you can't <laughs> what is, what is, is this your dream you want to be a yeah. motivational speaker Excuse anybody can me. shit out a book or rent an office in an office building and put up an ad in the newspaper saying i'm a life coach come see me and i'll tell you what to do yep 100 percent it's mm -hmm. fucking annoying. And, and that's the thing with this guy. I was like, bro, you haven't actually done anything. How can you motivate people? Like, I get it. You're it's some, somebody's like an ex Navy SEAL who's fucking been through shit, who's who's faced all this adversity in life. They started a business. It failed. They started a new business that failed. And then finally they figured out a way to get it going. And their wife left them, but they got her back. And, and, and they're in a completely different place. They're in the stratosphere now when they've been in the dirt and the mud and they didn't know how to get the fuck out and now they can come to your come to your fucking conference and tell you look motherfucker i don't care what's happening to you you can get through it and be better compared to somebody who's just a jack off that eats fucking who goes to a bar 10 times a week and talks that cocaine talk of like i want to start a business a and your coach. business is you being a motivational speaker like i'm gonna go and motivate people how the fuck can you motivate people when you're not even motivated yourself? Yeah. 
It's annoying. So in that in that sense, I agree with you with uh, with uh, self help books because there's a lot of them that are probably just just like that. I, I and that's just my biggest beef, I guess, is with that like the the Barnes and Noble self help section kind of book. Yeah, it's like I don't know. I just it's like snake oil. Yeah, it's like I have the secret and I will give it to you if you give me twenty dollars. Yeah. It, it, well, you just said the secret. What the about secret that book? Is, the secret is setting goals. Oh, you ever, have you oh, ever set a goal before? That's like, no, I don't, oh, no, I've never done that. I've never thought, oh, I kind of want to do that and then did it. It's like, oh, that's a fucking remarkable skill. Thanks for the yep. knowledge bomb, bro. That's the secret, literally the secret by Oprah Winfrey. It's like you just got to put up a vision board. Imagine it happening and it will come true. <laughs> Think I want to do something and then do it. It's like, oh, brilliant. Yep. Oh, I never thought of that. Oh. Uh, that's not everyone though. There's no, it's some not. Good, there's but some that's just the. That's the the twenty five dollar that Barnes and Noble self help book. It's just some yeah. celebrity who's like, dude, I can tell you what to do. To do. <laughs> I just, I don't, I don't care. I don't care. I'd rather go pick up a philosophy book, yeah. which actually has some good insightful knowledge about someone who thought for a very long time about an abstract concept rather than someone who thought, mm, yes, let me tell everyone how I existed because this is the best way to be and they should be like me too. Yeah. Rather than be like, well, this is just logically, I thought about it and this seems like a good way to exist so I lived in a wine barrel for the rest of my life and I don't give a fuck what you do. My legs are cramped and I'm stuffed in this wine barrel. Mm -hmm. I forget his name. I think it was, it was a Diogenes. I don't remember the guy who, uh, he was a philosopher in Rome and he came to the conclusion that I mean, he, was, he was Buddhist, essentially. He was an early Buddhist kind of thinker in that like he decided that you know all misery comes from want. So he just lived in an empty wine barrel on the streets of uh, some city. I think it was Rome. And Alexander the Great approached him one day and was like, well, I can give you whatever you want. What would you enjoy? And he goes, you're in my son. Please move over. And that was it. That is so extreme. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how to comment on that. I think that uh, that's a good way to end it with that story. Because that's... <laughs> sir, I have I have several issues with that. <laughs> I don't want anything you're peddling. Get the fuck out of my way. All right. I mean, <laughs> if that's what it means to be happy, then I guess I wouldn't know. Um, Free from all want and desire. I'll try my own. Hope, my is, own the own Hope is the root of all suffering. Hey, man, I... Uh, if I took one message from the Midnight Gospel, it was that. Yep. It was learn how to let go of hope, mm -hmm. because hope will uh, hope will destroy you. Hope and desire are the same thing. Uh, hope is desire. Mm -hmm. um, it's I like have to peace uh, so bad right now. Dude, we can end this. I just said this is a good place to end. Um, we don't need to get into a dis deep fucking esoteric discussion about the concept of hope cool. because i don't know anything about anything me either and uh this has been fun and uh i'm happy you came by because this, i w i think i think i needed this <laughs> so uh it was we'll fun there, i enjoyed buddy. it all right until next time all right uh, fuck yourselves <laughs> <laughs>